So hello and welcome to Moonlight Alchemy. I am your host, Carly O'Connor, and today I have a special guest with me. I am so excited you're here. It's my friend, Rupi. Say hi, Rupi. Hello. Hello, Carly. Nice to see you. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm um, so blessed to be here. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, and actually, Rupi, I don't know, I don't think I've told you this. I've talked about you on podcasts before. Um, not <laughs> oh, gosh. No, 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 all good things. Like, you know, uh, things that I learned from you during the retreat. And, you know, there were other things that you shared with me that I didn't tell them who shared them with me. Um, but, you know, things that I, you know, picked up and have carried with me ever since we met. And so um, I'm excited to have you here, like, live in person. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's, it feels like an honor to know that you've been talking about me. And I like that it was anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I won't tell, I won't uh, put the two and two together. I'll leave that for you, (laughs) but it's always good things. You know, there's nothing, nothing bad that I don't think anybody can say about Rupi. And if they do, they suck. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind a little bit of spice here and there. Hey. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who don't know, I met Rupi in Costa Rica earlier this year. We were both attending uh, a Paul Selig retreat and it was, we, I don't know, it was just like instant, like, I just love Rupi. Like, I don't <laughs> it was an instant connection. The moment I saw you, the moment I started talking with you, it was, it was a feeling. It wasn't more so anything that you said, or I said, it was just a feeling where we just clashed into this, I don't know, gigantic heart bomb or whatever you want to call it. I like that. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, like, Hey, we're picking up where we left off. Like we have been friends before. You know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is, we've done this many times before. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I was telling Rupi a little bit before we came on here that, you know, everything is always unplanned. We don't have a script. We don't have any questions. We just like to have conversations and have some fun and see what happens. <laughs> so spontaneity is the best. Yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, we were talking about, I'm going to see her soon, which is super exciting because we live on opposite sides of the country. And, um, you know, we started having this conversation. I was like, wait, all of this is such a good conversation, which is part of the reason why I wanted to have you on is because no matter what we talk about, we just have the best conversations. So we were kind of talking about, are you cool if we bring this up and absolutely. So we were talking about end of life and we were talking about how, you know, death is just part of life, you know, Mm -hmm. and I know you and I both share the belief that you don't just do this one time. (laughs) Yes, definitely. You come back over and over again, if you choose to. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were kind of talking about um, kind of the end of life situation. So I would love for us to just start there. I know that's not normally where you would start, but let's start at the end. <laughs> yeah, why, why not? <laughs> yeah. So we were just talking about how at the end of life, um, when you are getting ready to transition, a lot of people who are at that stage, they request not to not to give them any kind of pain medications or anything to numb them because they're actually healing a part of themselves from this lifetime before they journey onto their next, um, wherever they're going afterwards. So it's really interesting. It's Mm -hmm. like they have one foot here and one foot somewhere else. So maybe their healing has been accelerated 
I don't know. Not sure, but just a theory. Yeah. I guess we'll all find out one day. <laughs> yeah, we, yes, we will. <laughs> or we might remember from another time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the kind of the question that I get from that is like, can you do it sooner with more ease? <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm sure there's so many ways. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, nowadays, they, a lot of people, a lot of cancer patients take marijuana to help ease the pain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if there's a big difference between taking marijuana versus something that's numbing like Narcan or sorry, not Narcan, but morphine or dilaudid or a painkiller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know and I know that we have a mutual friend who knows a lot about the cannabinoid but I think cannabinoid, I don't ever know how to say anything. <laughs> they all sound right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, either of those works about how it's, how the human body is made. It has its own cannabinoid or cannabinoid system mm. made to work with the plant. Um, so I don't know, I guess I, I highly doubt that the body has a natural system to work with the pharmaceuticals. Interesting. That's interesting. You mentioned that. You just reminded me of something else. So there's a conscious community in Oregon Mm -hmm. and they grow plants, but plants that are specifically just for them. Like if it's just a tomato tree for their own family or themselves, Mm -hmm. they, they put their urine on the plant and the plant happens to produce whatever you're deficient in. So it's catered to your needs basically. And it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Something about how the plant absorbs parts of their DNA. And then is that right? Is that the same place we're talking about? Because I recently read something about something very similar. If it's not the same place. Maybe keep going. Okay. So, and I didn't remember the urination part, like, but I knew that they were, (laughs) you think that that would be something that would stick out in my mind, Um, but whatever they're doing to the plants, I guess, urinating on them, it encodes the plant with portions of their DNA so that it enables them. Oh, it was in a herb book. I was, yeah, that's what it was. I've been Ah. oils and herbs lately and but they didn't talk about urinating on the plant. <laughs> they definitely had another method. Oh, huh. I wonder what it was. I'm curious now. I don't know. I'll have to find it and I'll, uh, we'll have another conversation about it. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. Huh? That would be a fun experiment to do. Just have a couple different plants and try giving it, you know, the regular things, water, sunlight, and another plant that you put your urine on and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about urinating on the plant though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you're a nurse, right? Yes. Okay. So you're the perfect person to talk to about this. (laughs) So I know that your urine is sterile, right? Yes. Correct. So then it makes it all right to pee on a plant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could seem a little bit gross if you're feeding it to somebody else without letting them know. <laughs> that might be a different story, but if it's just for yourself, I think it's totally fine to experiment with it. Okay. All right. I'll have yeah. to find the book and see if there was another way to. And you know, it's funny because I'm like, I think it's gross to pee on a plant, but then when you like back up and look at it, like that's really just the societal agreement that we've made. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's very true. Well, yeah. 
Um, one of my uncles, my dad told me this story. One of my uncles in India had a terrible skin condition. They weren't sure what it was. Um, the words are different in our language versus English. And he was told to put cow urine on his skin condition. Okay. And he did. And he kept it on overnight. He woke up the next morning and his skin condition was completely cured. It wow. was amazing. Yeah. Okay. I've never actually looked into cow urine and how <laughs> useful it can actually be. But I do know that there's soap made out of cow urine as well in India. So. Oh, okay. And it's apparently very good for your skin. Yeah, it's apparently very good for your skin. So who knows what our urine can do? Huh. Yeah, because you know what? We certainly don't. I don't know that we've tried. Uh, yeah. Jellyfish stings. <laughs> <laughs> See, there we go. That's one thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So well, maybe we'll call this one urine. More useful than you think. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Why not? That's the direction we're heading in here. Hey, this is great. I love this though. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so many hidden secrets are coming out just from our own bodies. And I feel like our bodies are the biggest technologies that we don't, we're still uncovering a lot of our own secrets. Yeah. Uh, which is really kind of cool. You know, there's a lot we don't understand about our brains. There's more that we're understanding every day. Um, yeah. yeah. And the, the power, the healing power of the body, you know, is, is incredible, you know? Absolutely. Even the, every seven years, your cells mm -hmm. are, I don't even know what it's called. They're rejuvenating or they're, what did I think? They replace themselves. They replace themselves. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's a big deal as well. Yeah. Every yeah. Yeah. You can actually cure yourself completely. What was I reading? Oh, what? I was reading something the other day that was talking about this. It's wild that you're bringing up everything that I've just, you know, I've been reading a lot because we're doing the retreat next month, but, <laughs> but everything that you're talking about, I'm like, oh, I just read something about that. <laughs> I believe it was in the Seth material. It was something I was reading about the Seth material. Me too. And they, yeah, they mentioned the every seven years mm -hmm. and how beautiful that is. We can, we have the power. We really have the power if we put our heart into it. I feel like that's one of the biggest components is our heart. And how does our heart feel? What's the intention behind it? Why do we want to heal ourselves, or do we want to stay in this suffering? Do we enjoy it ah. or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times people get stuck in the suffering for a couple, number one, like you say, they, they enjoy it. And number two, they don't realize they can do something different. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. Getting stuck in that pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of choosing this. You're constantly choosing, right. But right. sometimes just choosing the same thing over and over and over again. And yeah. we don't have to, which is liberating. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like somebody who's been through it and has been able to cure themselves and you come across somebody like that, they actually show us the potential mm -hmm. that we are capable of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I don't know if I told you the story back when the ankle breaker happened, 
with uh, how I kind of worked through that. Did I ever tell you that? No. What happened there? So <clears throat> the the ankle breaker was a, a you know a situation in life. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a huge catalyst for change. You know, I had, I had been going, you know, I had just gotten off the path, you know, and I was not listening to my intuition to all those whispers. And so it had to shout. <laughs> it was the rug being pulled out from under you. Mm, yeah. And I fell <laughs> <You know? laughs> really hard. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. So, um, blessing in disguise. Exactly. And that's the thing is I wouldn't be sitting here now with you if that hadn't happened. So it was a great gift. Um, so after I'd had, cause I wound up needing surgery and, you know, it was like a whole thing. I was laid up for, I don't know, like two months. I think it was, mm. it was pretty, uh, it was pretty intense. Um, <clears throat> so I had had a plate put in my ankle and the surgery was done. And I was like, you know what? I had shifted. I had been given some materials to read. Look, my throat apparently still has some resistance to this, which is funny. I love it. Let it out. Yeah. So, and I don't really tell these stories very often, but it's appropriate for our conversation, you know? So I had started reading Louise Hay, who the book, You Can Heal Your Life. And, um, some, I don't remember exactly what else, but the point is that I had refocused. I had decided that, Hey, you know what, if you can heal yourself, I'm going to do that. Right. So I'm like, I'm just going to focus on my ankle being completely healed. Like I'm going to see myself going back to the doctor where they're like, wow, you never would have known it was broken. Right. And just like being completely whole and, you know, laughing and making sure I'm like lifting my vibratory frequency and doing all the things I could to lift and lift and lift. And that was my like focus. Cause I'm like, what else are you going to do? You're laid up. (laughs) You've got nothing to do. (laughs) So in that moment, were you, were you seeing yourself as already healed from it? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And holding manifest in that. Yes. Of seeing it healed. So I go back to the doctor whenever it's time. And, you know, I've been doing this focus every single day, like for quite, you know, like I said, not much else to do hard to move around. So like (laughs) I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm well, you know, I'm moving on the other side of this. I'm learning the lessons. I'm healing the karma. I'm doing the things. Mm -hmm. So I go back to the doctor's office and they, you know, they do the x-rays, they take all the stitches out, they do all the things. And they're like, wow, look at this. If you didn't have a plate in here, we wouldn't know it was ever broken. Wow. That's powerful. And the coolest part, we also found that when your ankle was broken, your heel was broken. Look, you can see it here. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's amazing. So I'd, I'd focused on the ankle and healed the ankle, but it was, it was interesting. I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense because I kept getting these like shooting pains at my heel. Like after I'd had surgery agony, it was because it was broken too. So it wasn't just my ankle that was broken. It was my ankle and my heel, but because we didn't know about it. And I was like, that is like the coolest. (laughs) That's amazing. You're a walking, talking, perfect example of healing yourself. Yeah. So you can definitely do it, you know? 
Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm really glad both of those were broken because it, it, it's like, he showed me the x-ray, right? Like you could see on the x-ray, like the, the plate and all the screws, which looked like, like a kid had done them. Like, I don't know if you've ever, oh, you're a nurse, you've seen that stuff. And I'm like, those are some weird angles, man. <laughs> like randomly stacked on top of each other. Yeah. So, but you couldn't see the break anymore, but you could see the line along my heel that was broken. Wow. And it was just so swollen before that they missed it. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's how powerful we are. We're so yeah. powerful that we can heal ourselves. Yeah. And so that, and, and partially that's part of the reason why it was such a good experience, you know, and the other part was after that appointment, I was able to take the first shower I could take like a full whole shower in like six weeks. And I had this like wave of gratitude, unlike anything I had ever felt up to that point. And it was so good. I almost fell out of the shower. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. Gratitude. That's a, that's a good feeling. It yeah. puts you into kind of this ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Can I, can I ask you, when did that happen? Um, 2008 or nine, maybe. Okay. Do you feel like it it accelerated your spiritual journey? It definitely did. Um, I was, so I was not on a good path. (laughs) I had started my spiritual journey young and, you know, like thinking back, like I've always been a little weird, you know, air quote weird. (laughs) I found out later that I used to like astral travel as a kid. My mom would be like, she's like, you used to just be there. And then you just weren't. She's like, we didn't know. That's amazing. Uh, Less amazing. If you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. It's cool now that I have an understanding. Cause like, it's really easy for me just to like show up places. I'm like, boop, here we are. <laughs> right. And learning to navigate it. It's like, wait, how do I go back there? How do I come back from there? How do I yeah. come back to earth and yeah. reactivate myself? Yeah. So, so, you know, I had started and then when I like right out of high school, <clears throat> because of some interesting religious choices that my my dad had made. Um, I started studying religion and philosophy and then metaphysics. And then, you know, I had gotten distracted for a little while <laughs> and was not making good choices, you know? And, um, then I came back, back around and then I got distracted again and was again, not making good choices. And so that was like a huge catalyst for, you know, the, trajectory that I'm on now. So yeah. And I, it absolutely accelerated things like, you know, first off it was a, my third near death experience. Cause apparently I wasn't paying enough attention the first two times. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a lot of near death experiences. Also, they're all blessings in disguise as well. Absolutely. There's a reason why you didn't exit. Yeah. You had like- an exit point. Yeah. And, and I think that's always interesting too. Like you get to, you can choose. And I have been like, no, 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 like we have not yet. We're not done yet. Yeah. Um, so it kind of gives you that glimpse onto the other side of things, you know, and it also really, you know, the gratitude lesson was a major, a major catalyst, you know? Um, yeah, I think that, I think that it definitely did speed everything up. And even though I often feel like it's funny that you talk about that because I often feel like I relate to the dragonfly, which a little bit now, but I don't know if you know this, but the dragonfly stays in its like larva stage for like six years, 
before it oh, even wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So I wonder if it comes out of it in their seventh year or is it that sixth year that they come out? Because now I'm linking the seven year um, cell rejuvenation, not cell, cell death, cell birth. I mean, it's cell death and birth, right? Like cell death and birth. Let's look and see if it, does it come out on the sixth year? Cause I'm curious too now. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was asking you about that story because I, I feel like a lot of us have that rug pulled out from under us that accelerates our growth so quickly. Um, I want to say mine's happened in 2020 for my car accident. Oh yeah. And um, I had a few broken bones. It was a nine car accident where some guy hit me from behind 70 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And um, my trunk was entirely crushed. I had a brand new laptop that I had just bought that oh. was in the back. I was practically living out of my car at that time because I was traveling back and forth a lot from my parents' house back to DC area. And so I had a lot of stuff in the trunk, but the only thing that survived my trunk was a book called The Autobiography of Paramhansa Yogananda. And I was bedridden for about a month and a half. And I read it during that time and it changed my life completely. So that was my rug being pulled out from underneath. And it it was just a blessing. I was so happy that it happened. They gave me goosebumps when you told me about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's a great book, by the way. You've read it, right? I have read parts of it. I have not finished. Okay, yes. it's, uh... <laughs> it's pretty thick. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I listen to it on Audible and then I pick up the book off the bookshelf every once in a while. And I'm like, okay, it's time to read this again. Um, yeah. It's I a good one. Yeah. That's, you know, you know what else is good? The book that you sent me. Oh my gosh, that I still haven't finished that book. It's called A Miracle, A Miracle or The Miracle of Love. I think it's A Miracle. A Miracle of Love by Ram Das, stories about Neem Karoli Baba. That book is phenomenal. I feel like I always, you know, so I haven't finished yet either. It's it's next to my bed and it's one of those that I read before bed and I read a little bit of it and then I think about it. And then I, you know, but I like, it makes me giggle so much. I'm like, how cute. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. And the stories of the people who had the honor of meeting him, it's so Mm -hmm. funny because even they say that even when he was angry, he was Mm -hmm. angry with so much love that they loved when he was angry at them. (laughs) And that's, it's yeah just thinking about that it's like wow a person could really embody love in a way where anger even feels like love Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that's amazing it really is yeah that's a great book (laughs) I feel like he probably would have uh been angry with me He was a trickster to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so cool. And, and, you know, like really too, going back to the, the power of what people are able to do from that love space, mm-hmm. right? Like he did some really like jaw dropping kind of things, you know? Yeah. Yes, he did. Lots of esoteric things. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard to describe 
no, we can't without... read the book. <laughs> yes, yeah, read the book. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. And then uh yeah, yeah, it definitely I'm trying to find this dragonfly because <clears throat> I'm curious. This might have to be a later situation. Um we're in the right. So I have this book that I I think I just found it. It's Animal Speak by Ted Andrews. Ah, uh, I have that book. I haven't read it yet. Love this book. Um, I use this one a little more like um like a reference book. So I'll go through and read a big section, you know, read about the uh the specific animal that's presenting itself, you know? Mm, yes, yeah. Um all right, let's see. Did you know they can fly at speeds up to 30 miles an hour? No, I did not. Me either. That's quite amazing. Yeah. So it seems like once the dragonfly gets going. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so that's cool. Um, all right. We'll have to find it back. We'll have to find it later. But I have the page for once we're done. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> spirit animals. Speaking of spirit animals. Do you know what your spirit animal is? Yes. Oh. Would you like to share? No. Oh, fair. <laughs> I don't know what mine is. I don't know what my spirit animal is. But I'm looking forward to figuring that out. I was always taught, so I did take some uh, some shamanism, you know, workshops and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was taught is that you're not supposed to share your totem animal. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Um, you know, I think it's kind of along the same feeling. The thing that kind of popped in my head here is like along the same, uh, path of when you're working on something like a big, exciting project, you want to get hold uh, close to it. It's about like keeping the magic here versus dispersing the magic. I got it. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It reminds yeah. me of social media a little bit, instead of announcing things on social media, just contain that energy or any other energy from outside coming in mm -hmm. and focusing on your project mm -hmm. until it comes into fruition. So that makes a lot of sense. I never thought about it that way. So thank you. Thank you for sure. sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, once you've completed the project, then you can be like, boom, here it is, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think, part of that too comes, especially now on social media, and this has been something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, people, whether they mean to or not are sometimes sending poison darts to different mm. people. You know? And I think that idea comes from the I Ching, but you know, if you think about it, like all of our thoughts are energy, like everything is energy. Right. And so if you're having I guess what we would call lower vibrational frequency thoughts and you're sending them out to people, then yeah, it could be received like a poison dart. And the pic, oh, that's interesting. The picture that kind of comes in here is like, you know, you've got your bright, shiny aura. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's like, you know, like the, the blow guns. Yes. <laughs> and they pierce through the bubble and open it up. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that makes me wonder, are there prayers of protection as Paul Sally calls it where we can protect ourselves from those kind of energies or maybe the actual prayer of protection can do that for us as well yeah 
And I think, I don't remember what I was, again, I don't remember what I was reading, but, (laughs) but it was an interesting take on the idea of protection. And I think it was a book about intuition because that's one of the big subjects that we're going to be covering at the retreat that's coming up. Um, You know, a lot of people, like everybody's intuitive. It's just that, you know, the world trains it out of us. And so a lot of us then have to come back and figure out how to tap back into it. But one of the things that I was reading about was they were talking about when you try and do a protective shield, right. Between yourself and other people, then not only does it block the non-beneficial, but it blocks the beneficial as well. So Uh, interesting. So, and I was thinking about it and I was like, is this something that I do? Cause you know, when I work on clients one-on-one, like when we're done, I wrap, you know, I smooth out the energy and I kind of wrap it up, but the intention isn't as a protection. The intention is that they're receiving the most beneficial energy that's their highest and best. And so the way that I kind of see it is that the good stuff comes in and the stuff that's not serving them just kind of like falls down to the ground and it's transmuted. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So maybe try something like that. Right. And just do like a, like a visualization right? Like, you know, I see myself with my, for me, it always looks like a, um, not a bubble, but I don't know. Cause it's not like a solid thing. It's not a barrier. It's just a energy. I don't don't know how to describe it. Something that kind of looks like plasma. Maybe. Hmm. Or even thinner than that. Probably thinner than that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause it's not intended to keep you from right because sometimes, you know, especially when you're on the intuitive path, those things that are coming in, you need to have come in because you're working through your stuff, you know? Right. So well, I like your, I like your take on kind of keeping the energy here until it actually comes into fruition. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Now I do think, you know, with that, I think that you can share it with your intimate group of right. known supporters, right? People that no matter what, because you know, we all have that like one or two friends, right? People That's that we true. know, no matter what we tell them, they're going to support it because, you know, if and that kind of becomes like working like in a coven, you know. And right. when you do that like, so if you're working on a project that you're really excited about and you tell me about it and I'm like, I'm holding the space of seeing your project come to fruition, then we're both working in harmony towards your end goal. And we're making the the energy that goes toward it is exponentially more powerful. And right. That makes sense. It's they're my well-wishers. And you actually reminded me of something called the power of eight. I believe that's the name of the book. Okay. Where they have a group of people that come together and they they share what they want to happen in their life. Oh. Um, and everybody holds their wish for them. Okay. And everybody gets a turn and they come back every week and share the same goals and share what they're going to do about those goals and how they're going to reach that goal. Hmm. And a lot of times it actually ends up happening within that year. 
because everybody is holding that space for them and they're holding that intention and that vision for them. Mm. And it's that much more powerful. So you just reminded me of that, of sharing your, your project with your well-wishers, your small, intimate circle of friends. I love that. Yeah. There's another, um, it's called the intender circle. And it's, I guess, along the same lines, it's something that my, my mom found like years ago and they have a little handbook. It's cute, but, but, <laughs> but we they, love the cute little handbooks. <laughs> I mean, you know, but they have, but they have like, you know, groups who meet, it sounds similar to what you're doing. I don't know if they limit the size, but they do their intentions. Like maybe not so much left brain action into it, but they mm-hmm. definitely bring in that right brain, creative side, holding uh-huh. vision of the intentions that each person is setting. So it's cool. Well, things like that. Yeah, it sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. I like the creative side to it, though. The right side brain. Yeah, that's the intuitive side, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's the intuitive side. Yeah. So you got your logical, analytical, left brain. And yes. Creative, intuitive, right brain. Yes. <clears throat> Most people, like when we come in, you know, when we come in, we're still connected, right? And we tend to be very intuitive and creative. And then when we grow up and we're taught how to be in the world, I'm air quoting how to be in the world, right? Um, we, a lot of times lose that creative side and that it's trained out of us and the logical analytical is trained into us. Like think about all that time we sat in the classroom growing up, you know, like intuition. (laughs) Or even people telling us, oh, there's nothing over there. Or those are just voices that you're hearing, which could be confused as schizophrenia as well. Mm-hmm. but yeah and we could be seeing fairies and they have no idea that we're seeing fairies at the age of three and we're talking to them it's kind of like Peter Pan <laughs> yeah an imaginary friend and yeah you know, like now when I look at kids and they have imaginary friends I'm like I bet that's that's either like an elemental or somebody on the <laughs> <school."> like, <laughs> Come on. I love asking them questions like oh what's their name what are they doing what do they look like <laughs> Yeah. Like, tell me about your friend. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, kids are fun. They really are. Um, I have a, my friend here, she has kids and they're two and four women well, just turned three and they're so cute. And they're so, I don't know. It's, it's wild. Like the things they think of and you're like, man, you are so connected, you know, like even your little spunkiness and your little sassiness, like, <laughs> They're so innocent at that age and they, they just know so much. It's funny because they'll say things like, oh, you know, somebody will be pregnant and they'll say something like, oh, I, can I touch her from the belly? And it's like, wait a minute. How do you know it's a her? How did you already, how did you put that together? Yeah. But they just know their intuition is so strong. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, for adults who are trying to get back to their intuition, adopting a child-like mindset or that, that mm-hmm. view of wonderment, right? Because when you're a little kid, everything's like, Ooh, ah, wow. You know, <laughs> you know, like, Ooh, that's exciting. Like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> and a lot of adults really lose that. And I think that's part of kind of recapturing that, you know, connection to your intuition is being able to approach things like that yeah think of everything as new or 
-hmm. there's no, there's no right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what the guides are talking about too, right? Uh, you know, re-knowing the agreements that we've made in fear, which is, I feel like basically everything we've agreed to since the time we were five. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, you know, now those things are kind of like breaking down to be re-known. And I don't know absolutely. if it's happening for you, but that's definitely happening for me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's completely changed my perspective on a lot of things, even things that I used to not agree with people on. Now I just look at it. I was like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Or I'll think to myself, you know, oh yeah, that could be possible as well. But I never block it out. I'm never like, no, it can't be this. It's yeah it's a possibility and their thought process is different than mine or they have a more creative approach. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Just leaving the door open for different, different possibilities and opinions without, you know, uh, making somebody wrong as the guides say. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was a hard one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I feel like we've, we've learned to be a little bit competitive in this world growing up as well, you know, have to get straight A's or become valedictorian or, you know, you want to be top of your class growing up, whatever it is, you, you want to be first. If you're not first, you're last, like Talladega Nights says. I was going to say, I heard that before. <laughs> Talladega Nights, I love it. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So yeah, yeah it's un unlearning all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, which, and I think when we're able to relax into it and be like, Hey, it's okay to let all this go. Like it's mm -hmm. like, we're allowed. In fact, it's a great thing to do. And I give myself permission to let go of the thoughts and ideas and beliefs that I had about myself. And that's okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And even the feeling of feeling like, oh, I was just made wrong. Mm -hmm. Just recognizing, wait a minute, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel less than because I was made wrong? Or why do I feel like I need to make somebody else wrong yeah. and make myself feel right? I mean, what's going on in there that I need to feed this ego or whatever it is that's showing up? So good. Ruby, you're so wise. <laughs> as, as are you Carly I'm just a reflection of you and same <laughs> which don't you love it when you get these reflections sometimes this is not the reflection that you see. <laughs> it's a nice reminder sometimes we forget yeah mm -hmm, absolutely so I love this I could talk to you all day we should definitely do this again um I don't know how long we've been recording, but we're going to stop and have chit chat because I have clients in a little while and I want to talk to you still. So for those of you tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. And we will absolutely have Ruby back again. Ruby, do you have any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share? Hmm. Yes, I do. Um, whatever you do, do it from your heart. Oh, I love that. And I love you. And I love you guys who are listening. I love you, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for whoever's listening. I love you all.
Aw, yay. Okay, and um, that's all we got for now. We are going to, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Sending Ciao. you a